It's good to have you at the Lord's house today. So glad that you're here. A few years ago on America's Funniest Home Videos, a, a young boy was shown on Christmas morning. He came down to see a large present beside the tree, and he ran over to tear into it to see what was inside. Of course, paper was flying everywhere, and suddenly he broke out into this dance and started jumping around the room saying, Wow, it's just what I wanted. Wow, it's just what I needed. Wow, this is amazing. And then looking at it again, he says with a puzzled look on his face to his parents, what is it? <laughs> well, I think his reaction really captures the response of everyone to Jesus Christ. You're either asking the question, what is it? What is Christmas all about? Or you get it and you say, wow, this is just what I needed. Wow, this is just what I wanted. Now, let's find out what all of this joy about Christmas is over. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. We see joy all over the biblical account of the birth of Jesus Christ. Last week we learned that there was joy in Mary's life in serving God. And today we're going to see joy among the shepherds who were among the first to hear of the birth of Jesus, and then their joy in going out and sharing Jesus Christ. Now, Mary and Joseph are required to go to Bethlehem to register for the census. So, in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, Mary gives birth to Jesus in Bethlehem. There's nowhere for Mary and Joseph to stay, so Jesus' first home is a barn where he is placed in a manger. And that's where I want to pick up the reading in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now I want to do a quick time out and talk about these shepherds for a moment. There, there's something significant about these shepherds, or let me put it this way, really, there's something insignificant about these shepherds. According to the teachings of the rabbis of that day, shepherds were really low-class citizens. Their work made them ceremonially unclean. They couldn't even go to the temple, and typically they were shunned socially. You know, that, that got me to thinking. We, we often think in our culture that to have a real impact, we have to have earthly advantage. If only Christians controlled the, the influential entertainment industry, or if we controlled the branches of government, then we could really make a difference in this world. Well, that's really not the way God works. We're going to see in this passage and in this story, God made all the difference, not through the king in his palace, nor through the priest in the temple, but he made all the difference in the world through the announcement or the witnessing of these shepherds. Just lowly citizens, common people, just like us. There's something else significant about this verse, not just the shepherd, but, but also their sheep. Many scholars believe that the sheep these shepherds were watching over were actually sheep that were going to be used in the daily sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem. Now, just think about this for a moment. Grazing in these fields were sheep that would be offered as sacrifices according to the Old Testament law of Moses 
to atone for the sins of the people. But then not very far away, God is sending another lamb. This is the lamb of glory who would take away the sin of the world. And those sacrificial sheep would no longer be necessary. Praise God for His salvation. Well, maybe you'll get this excitement in a minute, okay? <laughs> Hang with me. Let's keep reading Luke chapter 2, now verse 9. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. What I want you to see this morning from this passage is that there is true joy found when we share Christ with other people. Now, before I get into my actual sermon outline, let me give you three quick bullet points about the joy that is found in sharing Christ. Are you with me? Okay. We're not really in the sermon points. These are bullet points. That means I'm going to say them real fast, all right? So, so catch them quick. Joy is the inspiration for our sharing Christ. Verse 10 But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The shepherds are told the good news about great joy that was available to them and ultimately available to all people. This announcement then became the inspiration for these shepherds to really go check it out, to see if it was really true. And when they found it, they found that it was true. Verse 17, when they had seen him, Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. So this joy inspired them to go and share their faith. The second bullet point is that joy is the motivation for sharing Christ. You see, joy, when you got real joy in your heart, Ultimately, it has to be expressed. Okay, It can't stay inside of you. Joy has to come out. If there's something that comes into your life that fills your heart with joy, I, whatever, let's say the birth of a child or the birth of a grandchild, 
you know, you may be able to contain that for a little while if there's nobody around to share the good news with. But sooner or that later, that joy is going to explode inside of you. And maybe it's the first person you come across, a total stranger. But you've got to tell them. Oh boy, you're tough today, aren't you? Man, the joy has to come out. And honestly, the most effective witnesses that I have ever seen for the Lord Jesus are people who are just full of the joy of the Lord. Huh? So joy is the inspiration and the motivation for these shepherds in spreading the word about Jesus. But the third bullet point is that joy is the culmination of our sharing Christ. In verse 20 it says, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Friends, that's what rejoicing looks like. That's what joy is all about. And I tell you this morning, there is joy in sharing Christ with other people. And there is even greater joy when you see these people you share Christ with come to faith in Christ and believe in Christ. And their life is filled with the same joy that you have in your life. Now, let me go back to my shepherd friends just for a moment. I want you to notice and see what effective witnesses look like. And these shepherds are effective witnesses for Christ. Witnesses who were inspired by the good news of great joy that will be for all people. Witnesses who discovered joy and then shared that good news with others. Now, there's a bit of irony in this story. Remember that shepherds were not highly esteemed by other Jews. In fact, the rabbis of that day considered most shepherds to be religious outcasts. On top of that, their testimony was not even admissible in a court of law. That may have been true about the courts in that day, but these shepherds really were great witnesses. A witness is simply someone who knows something and then says something. Okay? That's it. A great witness knows something and then says something. So I'm ready for my outline. Guess how many points I have? Two. It's about a great witness. They know something and they say something. I'm going to go back to kids' church here, all right? Number one, a good witness knows something. These shepherds knew something. Why? Because they had been told something. Remember what they had been told? Verse 10, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that's going to be for all people. Huh? And then the next verse tells us what that great news is. Verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now notice the three important names given to this child. Names reveal something about the character and nature of the one being named. And his names, the names of Jesus in this verse represent all that we need for Him to be in our behalf. And Dr. Luke here is piling title upon title to demonstrate 
just how magnificent this child really is. The first name spoken of is Savior. Today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. This tells us something about His deliverance. The angel announced this earlier to Joseph about Mary and the child. Luke one twenty one. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He's Savior. You know what? We all need that. Every one of us need to be saved from our sins. Why? Because we're all sinners. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's one thing we all have in common. All mankind. We're all sinners. For all have sinned. But He came to deliver us. We need to be saved from our sins. And Jesus is the only one who can do that because He is the only one qualified to do that. I preached a funeral sermon yesterday and I said in my funeral sermon that Jesus Himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father. No one can go to heaven except that He come through me, Jesus said. Jesus is the one to deliver us. Jesus is our Savior. He's the only one qualified to save you from your sins. And we know that because of the other two names He was given in this verse. Not only is He Savior, but number two, He's Christ. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. That tells us something about His destiny. The word Christ literally means Messiah or the Anointed One, spoken of repeatedly in the Old Testament prophecies. It was His destiny to be our Messiah. He is the Anointed One from God, sent from heaven to save us from our sins. Number three, He's Lord. He is Christ the Lord. This tells us something about His deity. He is born Lord of all. He is born already possessing supreme, supernatural authority over all mankind. Jesus was Son of Man, born of a virgin, but He was also Son of God. He was both God and man at the same time. The only one able to save you from your sins. Jesus died to take away our sins. He arose as Lord to give us life. And that phrase, Jesus is Lord, is a very important phrase in the Christian faith. It was the public confession of faith and even a baptismal formula of the early church. There is power in the phrase, Jesus is Lord. So say that with me. Jesus is Lord. For unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. So the shepherds knew something because they are told something. But they come to know it in a more personal, intimate way. This knowledge that they have been told about becomes first-hand knowledge. Verse 15 they said, hey, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
and they became witnesses. In fact, they were witnesses of all the mystery that was unfolding in the manger in Bethlehem. Now, folks, really, when you step back and think about it, this is pretty amazing. God didn't let kings and potentates come to that little manger and see baby Jesus. He let the lowliest people on the planet be the first witnesses of his great miracle. That is amazing. And it says later that everything was just as they had been told it would be. In other words, it was true. They witnessed this. Exactly what the angel said was there and living proof. It was all true. That just leads me to believe it. It's not enough just to hear the good news. You've got to believe it. You have to experience it personally. If it's really true, and it's going to be true for you, you need to experience that truth. You've got to believe. You have to believe. You can't ride to heaven hitched to somebody else. And it's fantastic that your grandmother was a church-going Christian. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what? You're not going to get in on her signature. You have to believe. So a good witness is one who knows something. And these shepherds know something. They've not just seen it and heard it. They've seen it, they've heard it, and they believe. And they responded in faith. You see, having discovered the truth about Jesus, this joy that is inside of them inspires them to do the next thing. I've already said a good witness knows something. But number two, a good witness says something. I don't know if you've ever been called on to do this, but a couple of times in my adult life I've been called on to be a character witness. Now obviously I was called on because I knew something. I had some first-hand knowledge. And if I did not possess that first-hand knowledge, my testimony would just be thrown out as hearsay, not real evidence. But I had first-hand knowledge of that person. However, I am not a complete witness if I just know something. A faithful witness or a good witness ultimately opens their mouth and says something about what they know. And that's what these shepherds do. They made known to everyone that they came in contact with what they had been told, what they had seen, and what they experienced. Verse 17, when they had seen him, Jesus, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. You see, church, just seeing the baby Jesus in the manger is not enough. The scene had no meaning without the explanation that the angels had already given to them. So when they go out to spread the word, they talk about what they had been told about. That is the good news. What they had experienced, what they had eyewitnessed themselves, what they knew in their own heart to be true. After seeing the baby, the shepherds were the first messengers to proclaim the arrival of the Messiah. They spread the word. They couldn't keep the joy inside them. 
They had to speak the truth. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Again, this is joy. Now, the word joy is not mentioned here per se, but its results are. What are these guys doing? They're rejoicing. They're jumping up and down. They're excited. They are glorifying God with praise and gratitude. Wow. I tell you, folks, there is great joy in sharing Christ. If you have experienced the love and the forgiveness from Jesus Christ, you can't keep it inside. You've got to share it. It was 1977. I was 16 years old, and I remember it like yesterday. For a couple of years, I'd worked at Hester True Value Hardware Store in Lubbock, Texas. This was a mom and pop hardware store owned by the Hesters. They, I think they started the store the day after creation. I mean, the Hesters were old, 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 and that store had been there a long time. And really, it, there was everything in that store that you needed to fix anything that was broken in your house. It was there, man. So when I was 15 years old, they hired me. I thought they hired me because I was suave, debonair, bodacious, good-looking, sharp young man with a lot of potential. That wasn't the case at all. They hired young guys because they didn't have to pay as much. Yeah. But I was hired as 15 years old as a, as a salesman. That's how I started my career, salesman there at Esther True Value Hardware. People would come in with something broke. There's a thingamajig broken our toilet. I got this thingamajig right here broken my toilet. And so I, I, that's over on aisle four. Come over here and I'll show you where it's at. And I take them over there and show them on aisle four what it was. And I tell them how to fix their broken toilet with this new part. Mind you, I had never done it. I'd never fixed that before, but by working at the store and hearing the stories and listening to the other people, I could tell people how to fix things. I was expert at it. And I'd tell them how to fix it, they'd buy it, they'd leave, and I'd laugh as they were walking out in the parking lot, you know? Well, actually, let me go back. I, I, I did this job through DECA, Distributive Education Clubs of America. I'd go to school half a day, work half a day. Yeah, I'd get out of school at 11 o'clock, and I'd go to work. Work until 6 o'clock, work all day Saturday. Let me tell you, it was rough when I was a kid. My dad told me if you want a car, boy, you're going to have to pay for that car. You're going to have to pay for your own gas money. I'm not going to pay for you to go out on a date. you got to pay. So I, I worked my fingers to the bone. Anyway, I worked at Hester's Hardware Store, and, and I worked my way up. Uh, I was promoted, you know. Actually, they hired other guys in under me, so naturally I just kind of rose in my position. And uh, the, the manager of the store is a guy named Don Roark. Don, a great guy. He had, a, I think it was a 1970 Chevy pickup. It was green, short bed, short wide bed. Ken, it was pretty quick, man. It was fast. I would not know that personally, but it was a fast little truck. And 16 years old, uh, promoted. Uh, Don would let me go run errands for the store, and then we would go out and repair things at people's house. The two things that we did a lot of repair on were broken windows. We'd go out and replace single-pane broken window glass, and also screens, uh, window screens or screen doors that were ripped. We would replace those. And so uh, it was late spring, maybe early summer. Uh, Don gave me this order to, to go to this uh, house and repair two broken windows. 
So I got the glass, the putty, everything I needed, and I took off in that, that really fast little Chevy pickup and, you know, burned some rubber as I was going, having a great time. I get to this place, and it, actually it's a rent house. That's what it is. And it's an older man who greets me as I get out of the green pickup truck. He, he gave me his name. He stuck out his hand, and he said, and your name is? And I said, my name's Will. He said, Will, it's so good to meet you. Let me show you where the broken windows are. So he took me around back of the, the rental house, and, and uh, he showed me the windows, and we started talking, and I started taking out this broken glass. And I mean, there's, there's, this is old school. There's putty around it, and you have to cut the putty out around it. And, and this was only the second or third one I had ever done. So I was a novice. I was a, I was a rookie. And it was very apparent this old man knew a whole lot more about replacing this glass than this kid did. In fact, he was giving me instruction as I was going along, you know. You, make sure you get that right there, because if you don't get that out, you're going to brush the new glass. When you put it. And I was thinking to myself, dude, you know more about this than I do. Why aren't you doing it? You know, I was thinking that, Russ, why aren't But as the conversation continued, I, I knew it was this was a set-up deal. This guy could have done that, but he had called because he had been in our store, and he knew us young guys that worked there, and he was using this as an opportunity. And as he talked to me, he asked me about uh, Jesus, if I knew Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He shared with me the plan of salvation. And uh, actually, I remember exactly what he said. He said, well, what if you're using that knife and you, you're cutting that putty out and you're here by yourself and nobody else is around and you, your hand slips and you, you come across and you slice your wrist with that knife and you bleed to death and die out here. Are you going to heaven? <laughs> But you know what? He wasn't confrontational and he wasn't mean-spirited about it. He genuinely cared. And I said, yes, sir, I know I'd go to heaven because, I, you see, I'm a Christian. Really, he said. Well, Will, tell me about it. When were you saved? And so I got to share with him my salvation experience. And then I told him that, you know, when I was 11 years old, God called me to preach and I'd already preached some. And, and tears started rolling down this old man's cheek. He was so thrilled and so excited. After we finished the job, in fact, he helped me finish the job, I got an old green truck and I took off back to Hesper Tree Value Hardware Store and I was reevaluating everything that, that happened. And, and, and really, 16-year-old kid, I, I was sitting there amazed at this old man. He really loved the Lord. Again, he wasn't confrontational. He wasn't mean-spirited. He really cared about me. He really loved the Lord. And he really wanted to share the joy of salvation. I've thought many times back on that. I've, I've wondered, you know, the, the guy's dead now, no doubt about it. He's in heaven. But I really want, Jason, I wonder how many people he took to heaven with him. How many people he shared Christ with that believed. Guys, I, I don't know about you, but that's the way I want to. You know, Jesus has dramatically changed my life. He changed the course of my life. We had drug court here on, on Friday. Great event. Uh, record number of graduates. Uh, most of them, when they came up or on the screen, they talked about Jesus changing their life, the power of God changing their life. And you know, it made me reflect and think, one bad decision can mess up a person's life. 
a couple of bad decisions can ruin a person. It doesn't even take that many to actually kill a person. Most of those people in drug court, they would say on the screen, said, I, I, was, I was about to die. I was headed for death. My life was going in the wrong direction because they had made bad decisions. You know, one right decision can change a person's life for the good. And I'll tell you this, a baby can change everything. And this baby did. Jesus changes everything. And if you don't know that, if you've never experienced the change that He can bring into your life, you need to meet Him today. You need to be saved. It's awesome. Everything changes in your life. Everything becomes brand new. All the old is gone. All the sin that has tormented your life is gone. The Bible says He cast them into the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember them again. He's not holding it against you any longer. Your sins are forgiven. Your life is new. That's joy. Man. You know what? Along the way, sometimes we as believers, we lose that joy. Dude, I'm looking at you right now. I'm wondering if you've lost yours. What? That's joy. That's great. And if you have truly experienced that joy, you can't keep it in. You can't keep it in. Jason, when our kids do something great, we want to share it, don't we? Man, oh, little Matthew, he went out wrestling yesterday, and he's, he, he, he was the champion of the world yesterday, man. He, he pinned everybody, you know. And I got this little text from Jason with a picture of, of Matthew with his, with, his, uh, with his medallion that he had won on. Boy, he's champion. Man, we're proud of our kids when they do something great, aren't we? Can't keep it in. If you want to hang around after church, I'll tell you about my kids. Proud of them. It's joy that you just can't contain. You've got to tell other people about it. Well, folks, this is the greatest joy that there is. <laughs> I mean, this joy of Jesus, this salvation keeps you out of hell. Wow! Changes your life and gives you hope. You can't keep that inside of you. So if you've lost your joy, then you need to rediscover it today. And you need to do as the shepherds did. You need to start sharing that great message. Just tell everybody you meet. If you want to use this guy's illustration about slashing your wrist and killing yourself. Hey, you know, I, I think about this all the time. You know, it's kind of in our day and time. It's kind of bad to go up to somebody. And say, hey, if somebody shoots you right now, you go to heaven or hell. You know, you got to be careful about it. You got to be smooth about it. But you know, and you know what? If you really love people, you're going to ask them if they know the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you'd do something special in this room. Or there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, and I pray that today they would receive you they would invite christ into their heart lord if there's a, a believer that's lost their joy and maybe they're away from you i pray that they would just come back and rediscover that great joy that only comes from a personal relationship with the living god and lord for the rest of us we know what we've been called to do i pray that that, that joy would just explode inside of us and that we would truly care about other people and share with them the good news and Lord, maybe right now you're putting someone on our hearts and our minds that we need to be praying for and sharing the good news with.